Welcome to So You Want to Be a Copywriter, brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, the world's leading centre for writing courses. Your host is Bernadette Schwert, who you'll find at copyschool.com, and you can find out more about all our copywriting courses at copywritingcourses.com.au. Now, over to Bernadette. If you'd like to explore how your copywriting skills can help you or your client write a book and become an industry authority, this is the episode for you. Beth Featherstone is an expert author, publicist, marketing expert, and independent book marketer. And in this podcast, she reveals her inside secrets on how you can publish a book to increase your writing revenue. Hello, I'm Bernadette Schwert. I'm the founder of the Australian School of Copywriting and the head copywriting tutor at the Australian Writers' Centre. If you'd like to build a copywriting business and travel the world and get paid for it, you should become a copywriter. If you'd like to write a book, you should also become a copywriter, as the skill set is imminently transferable. To gain the confidence and skills you need to present yourself as a professional copywriter, take a look at some of our short courses. We know that a short course can make a big impact. This is what Terry McWilliams had to say. I love writing, but I'd never run a small business. Doing Bernadette's How to Build a Freelance Copywriting Business has given me the confidence to get started. I now know how to get my ABN, my website, my marketing, my briefing templates and quote documents, and I can now offer my service to the world. It's put me years ahead than where I would have been had I not done the course. Well, thanks, Terry. Knowledge is power, and with that comes confidence. And in writing, confidence is everything. If you'd like to learn more, visit writerscentercomau forward slash business or copyschool.com. And if you like our podcasts, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Let's get started. Anna Featherston, so lovely to have you on my podcast. It's fantastic to be here. Now, Anna, we have lots in common, don't we? We are judges on the Australian Book Awards. We are authors. We are presenters. We are online course creators. We've got actually a lot in common. Um, but I think what we've also got in common, which is really the subject of today's podcast, is how to write a book to build your business. Yeah. So I thought this would be a great topic because copywriters write copy, right? But they probably haven't maybe ever thought about writing a book for themselves or for somebody else. So. With that in mind, why would someone write a book to build their business? What are some of the benefits of doing that? Yeah. Well, I mean, firstly, as a copywriter, you've already got skills in writing. So a lot's going to come naturally to you, um, which puts you a a step ahead of many people who want to write books. Um, And I suppose the thing is you can write a book in many, like for different reasons. So if you want to build your business, you might be offering it as a service to your clients. Or you might be offering it um, to build your own business as well. Or just because you've got an itch you want to scratch because you have this amazing hobby and you're finding you're thinking about that while you're working. Um, And instead, you could put it into a book, get it out of your head and be free to pursue other things. Absolutely. And I find that um, being a copywriter and having written a few books now, it's such a related skill you know things like writing a headline a sentence length variation uh keeping the voice active having a voice writing conversationally you know all the things that make books interesting 
um, is, is what copywriters do. So it's just an extended copywriting project, as I've often said to my students. Um, what kind of sort of um, success stories have you seen with people who've written books, maybe that clients that you've worked with or, you know, just people in your, in your network? Oh, so many. Um, and success means different things to different people. So for one person, it might be actually selling 1,000 copies. Um, for another, it might be 50,000. Um, so yeah, so I just start by saying, you know, what's your actual goal? Um, but, uh, just for example, um, Tim Hurd wrote a book about Australian native fees, which is going to sell 50,000 copies. Now that's a self-published book. Um, just absolutely the most brilliant book about that subject. So what he showed there is a really niche subject. Um, you know, he's not trying to please everyone. He's literally going hard on one subject. Um, and that's built his business besides selling so many copies of the books. He also does workshops about native bees and also sells small native bee hives. So he's kind of tied up workshops and the book as a package deal as well. Um, and he's written a book that just gets so much word of mouth because it is, you know, it's just such a magnificent book. So that's just one example of someone who's you know, focused hard in on something that they care about and it's also a business. Then you've got um, an author like Sarah Martin who has written a book called Dear Psychosis. She's a nurse and this is just her family's experience of um, her daughter was overseas and had a psychotic episode and the family had to go pretty much go rescue her, bring her home, and then all their um, dealings with the health system. Now, She's writing that book because it meant so much to her family, but she wanted to spread the word about mental health. So it's more like a passion project, but it's also turned into her as well for, you know, she's doing speaking engagements. She was on the project um, on ABC. So um, that's just another example of, um, you know, she's not really building a business, but it, it's her business, you know, her personal business um, and experience. So that's a great example. Then we all know Kim McCosker of Four Ingredients. She's a self-published author as well, like 9 million copies sold. So that's huge success. Um, and that's built her business, is her business, that whole idea and concept. And again, what, what's happening is these people have very unique passions, skills, voice. You know, there's no use, as we see at the Australian Business Book Awards, writing another book that someone's already done. It has to have a really special focus and it has to be something that only you can tell in that certain way. Um, otherwise, there's no use. You know, don't put another book out there just to have a book out there. You really need to go deep. I think this is really interesting, Anna, because a lot of my students are experts in other areas, you know, and they want to be a copywriter for, for a variety of reasons, but they already come from a legal background, nursing, social work, graphic design, policy, you know, uh, truck driving, politics. There's a whole range of people. So um, I guess what you're saying is if you've got a passion, you don't have to necessarily write it about copy, but you can write about what you love and maybe use that particular niche and book to just promote yourself as well. And all yeah. sorts of benefits come from writing a book, don't they? What, what sort of benefits have come to you as a book writer? Because you've got an eclectic career as a farmer, 
a beekeeper yeah. and a whole range of other things. Um, yeah. But you know, what, what have you found in your career has been I, beneficial from writing a book? Just, just incredible. So the farming books I wrote have led to, um, you know, consulting gigs with the government about agritourism. Um, it's led to, you know, great connections. And what I found too by writing a book is you actually become even more of an expert in it because you're interviewing other experts too. You know, so your your whole network's broadening. Um, you're learning so much and, you know, that leads to media opportunities. Um, it means I've been able to sell articles based on my books. Um, it means I get, um, for the memoir Honey Farm Dreaming, I get like emails from people in Bermuda saying they've just been listening to it on audio and it's just so funny. And um, so you get all that, those personal benefits too. But it also, in some places, it gets you in the room, you know, so you're doing presentations, you're being paid to be a speaker or a panelist, you're, um, and then people look you up to, you know, to help them. So whatever it is that you're good at, people then come to you because you've become a, an authority on it. Um, it's writing a book's not something you can do overnight. It takes a lot of time. Um, and people actually really appreciate that when they see. So you know, you can do consulting one-on-one um, -on -one or group or, you know, to business or government, um, and it just keeps growing. It's it's quite incredible, actually. It is, isn't it? and I, I remember when I wrote my first book and I remember saying it to one of my girlfriends in the, in the car I was driving and I was just thinking about it and I was halfway through it and and I was just so committed to completing it and I said, I don't actually, well, I mean, I did care, but I said, I can't control if anyone reads it. I really can't. Um, it might end up in the remainder bin, but at least it's my book in the remainder bin, you know, and, and I've never forgotten <laughs> that statement and she's never forgotten it. She keeps reminding me about yeah. it, but it was true because it's like, you have to do it for you. You know, you yeah. don't know the impact. You don't know what life it's going to have, but if you, and you kind of can't do it for those reasons as well, even though they're legitimate yeah. reasons, but you don't know what the outcome's going to be. But so for me, it was like, I need, I just personally need to do this by the time I turned a certain age, which was 50. I, yeah. I think I was 47 or something. I thought, I'm not going to have my midlife crisis and not having written a book. I'm going to yeah. have it plus a book. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then at least it won't be an excuse to have a midlife crisis. Yeah. And so when I got to 50, I didn't have, I literally did not have a midlife crisis because I'd written my book. So it was yeah. kind of weird, but I do remember thinking it's going to be my book in the remainder bin if it's going to be anyone's. So, you yeah. know, detach from the outcome about what the book will do for yeah. you. But I can't, similar to you, I can't, um, I don't know what life would be like now if I haven't hadn't written those books because yeah. I've led to all sorts of opportunities that I could never have predicted. Yeah, um, and grow just through the writing of it as a person. Um, and I find too, like writing a book is the 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 best way for me to clear my head. So it's then fresh for new experiences, new growth as well. Like it's it's a really great processing tool. And as you write, you become much clearer on everything as well. So um, it crystallizes your ideas. It helps you, like just the whole thinking process. Um, it's just it's an, an evolution as, you know, personally. Yes. And I think you're absolutely right that you, you have an idea and it's a bit muddy or it's a bit murky. And just through the nature of telling it in the written form, you have to get really clear about it, which creates that crystallization. Um, and I do think it increases your brain power. I, yeah. you know, when you have to write a 
80,000 word document, which is X number of PhDs, which I actually think they're, they're many PhDs in their own way. Um, I do think it, if anyone's wondering about how to keep those brain, you know, um, I can't even think of the word now, considering I've just said, I'm, you know, yeah, I've been crisp my brain, brain now. <laughs> Write another book, you'll be fine. I've just written one, which is why I think my brain is shut down. No, but it's like, it, it does increase your brain power and it enables you to um, keep, you know, ahead of the thing. But yeah. the, um, so, yeah. sometimes I find too, like people struggle for the idea, you know? So I say, you know, don't worry. The idea will eventually come to you. You have to think a bit about it, but it has to be something you're so passionate about and really care about because you're going to be marketing that book for a very long time. Um, you know, if it's worth writing, it's worth writing something and it's evergreen, that's going to be around for a while. And even though we've got print on demand printing and you can update books, um, like the, the more you can think about how can this book be timeless, uh, um, you know, yeah, it, it's really helpful. But the other thing I think, you know, talking about, you know, how do you write a book that builds your business? You don't even have to write the book for yourself. You could suggest to your clients that you write a book for them because um, it could be for their sales team or it could be a company history. Or um, I've been doing some life story interviews for people as well lately. So if you're close with a client who's a busy CEO or an exec and you know, you know they, they're talking about their elderly parents, you could even suggest that you do a mini life story book as a personal thing. And, yeah, you know, you're lovely. a writer, so you, you're probably good at interviewing or you're learning how. So that's just another way to look at it. It doesn't always have to be your own book you write. I think that's a really lovely idea, you know, just to extend the idea out as to what your writing skills could uh, be used for. And that life story, I think, is gorgeous. So any copywriter listening would be instantly attracted to that because we're by nature mm. kind of curious, nosy people, interested yeah. in what makes people tick, yeah. what the relationship dynamics are between people. So, And I think that is an industry that's growing. I met a guy the other day at, a, at an event who's doing that. He, he, you know, he videos people and then he writes. Yep. He actually creates a video story, not so much a written yeah. story. But even that, just, just on that example, you could find people who are doing the written, sorry, the video stories and offer your services to them to take that transcript and turn it yeah. into a book. So, you know, yeah. you could collaborate and do that joint venture. And there's a company doing Life Story audio podcasts too. So there's an opportunity there as well to turn that into a book. Yeah. You know, more information from other family members. Yeah. Any other tips there, Anna? I mean, you've given one about, you know, copywriters, for example, looking to turn to their clients for opportunities mm. to write books. Any other tips? on how a copywriter could extend their services using yeah. books. Yeah. So the other thing I suppose is, um, you know, if you're putting a lot of content together for a client, how about drawing it together into a book? You know, so it's repurposing content. That's something else too. I think books give, um, because you do so much content, it can then be repurposed into podcasts, blog posts, social media. So, um, you know, pitching a book project actually solves a lot of problems for content writers in a way too. Mm. Um, and and I always do suggest um, wherever you can um, interviewing other people for your book. You don't have to do it alone. Um, the the more experts you can talk to, the more anecdotes you can get, the richer your book will be. Um, and I, you know, so memoir like I wrote my memoir just by my, you know, from my perspective and everything. So I didn't interview experts for that, but I did for the book, Small Farm Success Australia. I interviewed lots of experts. 
But I've been reading some great memoirs lately that do talk to professionals um, and bring in the expert opinion about why they behave that way or, you know, what's going in the, on in the world. Like Sian Pryor is an example with her book, Shy. Um, you know, like I just think that can really enrich a memoir as well. I think it's a fantastic idea. And I, I did that with my first two books um, about entrepreneurship, you know, attracting 30-odd yeah. entrepreneurs per book. And just that alone expanded my network. And again, it wasn't designed yeah. to do that. It was just, I'm interested in these people. How do they build yes. their online businesses? Yeah. And then just through the nature of I'm helping them promote their business. Again, that was just a byproduct of the book. You yeah. become friends, you become colleagues, you get invited to their events, their networking you know, opportunities. And not to mention when it does come time to market the book, you've got this 30 odd you know, cohort of people exactly. who've got literally millions of followers. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know that's why the book still remains on sale at Officeworks as we speak, exactly. and I, I I genuinely believe it is because we had the backing of those people early on. So I think you're right that in the early stages of your books, like some people say, maybe do that in the early stages, but later on make it your own. That's fair enough. You know, you don't have to involve all the experts. But I think starting off, it's it's kind of a safety net in some respects because it's not just that you saying mm. these are my ideas and I'm amazing. Listen to me. You got all these other experts that you can sort of, you know, shine the light on. And, and just so, it's so fun too, because like, we're all curious. That's why we're writers, I think. And you can, you can get in contact with people you would never in your normal life, but when you're writing a book, yeah, sure. Some people will say no, but others are like, yes. And yeah. it's, it's super exciting and super interesting um, to be in that room and in making those things happen. Absolutely. And if you don't have a network or you don't feel that you have the credibility to ask people to meet you halfway and be equals, a book invitation or an invitation to be in a book or on a podcast for that matter is absolutely a leveler because they're going, well, I want what you've got. I'd like to be promoted as well. So suddenly, as you say, you're in the room with people that you would never normally, like CEOs of you know, BHP or whatever it might be, you would never normally get the chance to be talking face to face with them. And I think that's the, um, the the gorgeousness of these opportunities. I also just, you I sorry I also use ex like once I've you know decided what the book's about, kind of plotted it out, worked it out. It's it's when I get to the stage of asking for an interview, that's when I know there's no turning back because I wouldn't like so it gets me past procrastination. It gets me past oh I'm not going to actually finish this book because. As soon as I reach out to interview someone, it's kind of like, oh God, now I've got to do it because I've wasted their time otherwise. So yeah, it really gives me a boost along. It is so true. You, you committed, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. like you're in, you're in, uh, you're or not. It's kind of the, the same example I use and I teach my students this all the time because one of, one of my students at the moment is actually putting on a copywriting event oh. and I've been coaching her to do that so that she can bring other experts in. Similar to what we're just talking about. She's bringing yeah. like a web developer, a coach a graphic designer, her and another, another person in for one night, two or three hours. And she's never done it before. She's really nervous, you know, putting herself out there, but she's doing it. And, and just that sense of she booked the venue and she said, I, the venue. And I said, that's all you need to do, you know, because yeah. once you book the venue, um, it's gonna happen. you have to, and you've invited these other people, they're expecting you to do it. So I think there is that lovely accountability that comes with um, doing the interview, be it either for a podcast or a book. Speaking of, you know, if you're doing a podcast, which is kind of a nice baby steps into building a book, I think that's, you know, the next step. But just on 
niches, you know, I think any niche is is workable. I was at the gym the other day and one of the guys who was a writer as well, and we talk all the time, and he said he had a book that he wrote for um, conveyancing. It's a, it's yeah. A, not the yeah. most interesting topic, but he said oh, he's still getting royalties eight years later. So yeah. I think if you want to have a royalty stream, a passive income stream, again, it may not be, you know, it won't pay for your house in Double Bay, but it's enough to pay for a trip to Bali, you know. So, and, um, and also you've got to start somewhere. So, and I say, like, you've got to write the first book. So you're in a position to write that third book. That's even, that's so important. Um, you know, if, you know, and there, there's so many niche books, like there's a book on crafting with cat hair. Oh, do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's amazing. And that's how you're going to find, I know. <laughs> that's how you're going to find your audience by niching. Yes. Yeah. And of course, being a copywriter, you know what niching is. You understand your customer avatar. And I say this to all my book writing clients. I say, you've just got to write for that one person or maybe three at best. But let's get those avatars really clear, which is, again, a copywriting principle. Yeah. And then when you are writing, you're thinking, does this, this particular piece of information uh, make sense to this person? If not, ditch it. So it becomes a quite a nice filter for working out what you keep in and what you keep out. So so many copywriting principles apply, I think, to writing books, not, not to mention word count. You know, it's just knowing what this particular section is, 2,000 words. You know, what's your beginning? What's your end? Where are your subheads? What are the questions people are asking? Yes. So the, the copywriting principles, I think, um, absolutely connect with book writing. And the state of the publishing industry too. They're not going to, you're not going to get a book contract to write the book that, you know, a famous person could write or a big business person could write because you're not going to have the followers. Um, so you're not going to get the book, book contract. So you could definitely still indie publish. Um, but it's like when, yeah, there's just so much more opportunity when you do something that's close and personal. And let's talk about that. What are some of the pathways to publication? We've got traditional, we've yeah. got self-published and hybrid and maybe more. Yeah. Just talk us through each one of those for people who are not familiar yeah. with those terminologies. So, and and the, the industry's kind of morphing a bit at the moment. Um, so traditional publishing is in a world of pain. Um, obviously people are spending more time on streaming services, doing, you know, listening to podcasts. So the book market is shrinking in a number of ways, plus the cost of paper servers, all those things is rising. Um, so it's very, very difficult to get a traditional publishing deal these days. Um, and also for a lot of people, it doesn't make sense to, cause you're not really going to make much money from it. Um, so, you know, if you sold a, a $30 book in a, normal shop through a trad publisher, you might get a dollar fifty, you might get three dollars. Um if it's in the bargain bin, you'll get less. If you have a thirty dollar book and you're selling it yourself, you're probably going to make twenty dollars a book. So you don't actually need to sell as many copies to make as much money. Plus you have complete control over how you use the content in it. Um so I talk I'm I kind of like am with a mix of traditional and um indie authors. And I love seeing how um, they work together um, and like how some trad authors are buying back their rights so they can republish under their own um, publishing brand. Um, and then you've got your hybrid authors. So um, they're people who have a, maybe a trad publishing deal or two, but also are bringing out indie books. Um, and interestingly, and, and this isn't um, nonfiction, so in the fiction area, 
at the Australian Romance Awards recently, indie and trad authors go head to head. Um, and in four of the six categories, indie authors actually won. Um, and there was one hybrid author who was up against herself with a trad book and a hybrid book and her high, oh, sorry, trad and indie and her indie book won. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, and, and that just shows to the elevation of indie publishing now. We have access to the same book cover designers, the same editors, the same marketing people that have worked in the traditional publishing houses. So the quality, there's, you know, there's no reason to have like in, incredibly impressive quality yeah. uh, that, you know, you can't tell who, who actually is the publisher. So, yeah, I know. I got my books to um, be judged for the book awards recently. Yes, and they're all gorgeous. And I turn over to see who the publisher is, and you've got your traditional Wileys and your Harper Collins, but you've got these others that you don't know, and you think you'd never know mm. that they weren't coming from, you know, an international all independent publisher. press. Yeah, or, it's yeah. really, really high quality. So that democratization, I think, of publishing is gorgeous. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the costs of maybe sure. doing your own book. What yeah. what would someone expect to pay and what are the the yeah. components of that project? Yeah. So your biggest cost is going to be your time, okay, because you could be doing anything else with your time. So <laughs> you could be earning more money, you could be spending time with your family. Writing a book takes a lot of time. So I would say, firstly, that's your biggest cost. But also, if writing a book makes you happy, that's how you should spend your time. Sure, it might be difficult, but if it actually gives you this sense of accomplishment and achievement and joy, you know, why wouldn't you? Okay, so let's put the time aside. Um, if you were going to go with a traditional publisher, you still probably, to get to that stage even, probably have had to use a book coach or an editor to polish your manuscript. So you already got upfront fees there. Um, if you're going to indie publish, if you do it really smart, you can indie publish for less than $5,000 at quality. But also... You could pay 150000 if you're, you know, using a ghostwriter and blah, blah, blah. So um, I think most people probably come around the $15,000 mark, if, um, but business authors might be more 45000 you know, because they're paying, because they're so busy, they don't have the time as much to do anything themselves, so they're outsourcing everything. Let's take, say, the ghostwriting out of it just for the moment. Sure. What are the costs to, say, printing and distribution yeah. and cover design and editing? Yeah. Let's just even just talk about, like okay. someone said, I want to do it all myself. Yeah. What are my costs? Okay. So when we say self-publishing, it's really indie publishing because you are going to outsource things you can't do and no one should ever do their book cover. Okay. I feel like you really need a, a proper book cover designer. It makes every difference to librarians, bookstores, and customers. Um, so cover design, you could get maybe something on the cheap for $350, but you can go to two and a half thousand to get an award-winning designer. Um, brilliant. And, and that will literally make a huge difference to how you feel about your book and how everyone else feels about it. Um, so that, I think that and editing are your biggest expenses. So editing again will depend on, um, the number of words. Um, I think for a lot of copywriters, you probably need more help structural editing and the concepts rather than the actual editing of the words. Like, you know, you can use, um, you know, any of those like Grammarly or ProWritingAid to whip everything into shape. So, and, you know, to use active language and check that. So it's more about um, 
just having that third person, or you can maybe skip that. If you're in a network with copywriters, you can be first readers for each other. You can, you know, offer each other the feedback and crunch the book that way. But good editing is really important. What would you um, be paying if it was like a, let's say it was an 80,000 word manuscript, what would you expect an editor to be charging yeah. for that? Well, again, you know, you can use international editors a bit on the cheap or Australian editors um, up to 5,000. Okay. Yeah. Um, but often much less. Um, yeah, so proofreading might be another thing you could maybe, um, you know, do on the cheap. And little things like, you know, you have to buy your ISBNs. You're going to need a website, which hopefully you already have. I wouldn't suggest a new website for a book. Just put it under your own name. It's too hard to manage multiple websites um, for most people and too expensive. Um, and then you, you know, you'll want some marketing costs. So a launch event. Just before we jump into marketing there, Anna, because mm. I do want to talk extensively about that. What about printing? What are some of the options yeah, for printing? Yeah, so printing's really exciting. Okay. You, you can do an upfront print run. Now that will cost you money, but let's say um, it might be about, you know, let's say $6 to $10 per copy, but you have to get a minimum of 500. Now there's good and bad things about doing that depending, you know, how many you think you can sell. But there's also pod, so that is print on demand. And, you know, you can get just one copy at a time for 10 to $14. Got it, got it. Okay, so marketing is a huge element and we were just talking offline before we started here. And what I find with my clients and, and indeed myself is you've finished a book, you're absolutely exhausted, you want to collapse in a heap and then you've got to get back up and start the marketing. And for a lot of people who aren't in marketing, they firstly don't know that and therefore they think the job's done, the publisher's going to take care of it all, which they don't. They do a little bit, some more than others, but generally no. And that's always a surprise to people because they think, oh, I'm going to get my advance and my book tour and my panels. <laughs> it's like, no, you're going to work that out yourself unless you're, you know, JK Rowling. Um, yeah. So the marketing is a bit of a shock to a lot of people about the level of work that is required. And it's just like any other product, you know, yeah. it's like a packet of, you know, toothpaste or, um, you know, can of beans. It's a product it needs to be marketed. And that's an, again, part of your sweet spot. Let's look at as many ideas as we can fit in the time we have. Sure. How would you recommend someone market their business from market their book from scratch? Like they've just literally got it in their hand and even... Yeah three months prior to that. Let's talk about those. those I, I would start at the very beginning when you start writing the book. So that's when you're thinking, who am I going to interview? Um, where are they based? So for like my book, Small Farm Success Australia, I interviewed farmers in every country, sorry, in every state of Australia. So I knew I'd be able to get on ABC radio in local papers right across the country. And also that librarians across the country would be interested in the book. So it starts with your book concept, you know? So you start building that marketing in um, and you need to be thinking marketing six months before because you need to, um, six months before, that's when you start putting it up on all the um, metadata systems, which uh, is like the engine behind all the book buyers, bookstores and libraries. That's where they get their data from, from some of the big things. So you need to be putting information up early you need to be thinking about marketing before you even come up with your title and your subtitle. So you need your keywords really smart. Like um, 
I help people, you know, find the right categories for their book in Amazon um, and, you know, just so they know where they'll be in the library system. Um, and, and keywords in your subtitles are just so important. Um, you really, as you said, knowing your avatar, so you know how to brief your cover designer. Um, and then you're going to need that cover design, you know, four to six months, hopefully before you launch the book. So you can do your cover design reveal. So you can start sending out your um, advanced information sheets to, you know, not everyone needs to be in a bookstore for a start, but your book might go well in a veterinary surgery or in a, you know, or a nursery or a gift store. So it's having um, this marketing material able to go out early and send it to librarians if your book's suitable for libraries um, and you need your cover design for that. So, you know, it's kind of like you kind of backfill all this stuff. Um, then it'll be, you know, working out, are you going to do like a, um, try and pitch yourself to rotary groups? Is that a place where you could be speaking? So you'd want to be talking three months earlier to those kind of people to get some of those gigs, writing your media releases. Also, not just a media release about your book, but can you place an opinion piece on your subject or can you place, um, something or, um, like, uh, one editor asked me to write three pages for his magazine. Um, in return, it was all about me and my book. So, you know, so, sure, I could have pitched him and been paid for it, but that was a perfect um, swap of my content. I didn't have to pay for advertising. Um, so think, yeah, where can you place stories? Um, what podcasts can you be on as well? So a lot of planning because all this needs to happen before you get to launch day. Launch day then is. It's just, you know, it's a fun event. It gives you another chance to talk to media. I do a media release and have a photo taken um, and send it to the local paper. So they don't even have to do anything. You, you don't invite them to come along because it's too late if they're there on the day. You know, like you want that lead up kind of um, PR. Um, what about things like um, selling it yourself? Well, mm. obviously, if you've got a traditional publisher, it's going to go through the bookshops and you can still sell it yourself as well. But what tactics or strategies would you advise someone to be sure. selling it one at a time or 10 at a time or 100 at a time? Yeah. Well, depending on what your book is, um, you know, I've sold 150 books into a conference, you know, so you can do bulk buys. Um, it's letting people know what those bulk buys are. I have other book coaches buy my book to give their clients because, you know, it's got lots of marketing. So they, they sell by the box um, that way. Um, selling direct is wonderful. So you just get your little square machine. You know, if you're doing library talks, just pump those little sales through. Um, and then also on your own website, you would let people buy direct from you because you also will hopefully have a workbook to go with it or something extra that people can also buy. Or um, you let people buy how they are most comfortable. So you would also have your links through to Amazon or Booktopia or you know, any of those online retailers that your book's listed with as well, which you can do all as an indie author as well. You don't have to be with a trad publisher. Um, yeah, so you let the customer buy how they want. Um, and it's about um, talking about your book. So you can't expect anyone to buy a book if they don't know it exists. So it really is being comfortable saying, I'm writing a book. So Actually, that's Sarah Martin who wrote Dear Psychosis. She was at a social event and just talking to a random stranger. And he said, oh, what do you do? She goes, actually, I'm working on a book. And it's like he got, he was interested. And they talked a bit more. And then she realized he was the head of the founder of the Black Dog Institute. 
So he ended up then giving her a blurb, a testimonial. You know what I mean for the front cover? That kind of thing, if she hadn't been talking about the book, you know, and being shy, even though, you know, it was hard for her to talk about it, things happen when you do talk about what you're writing. Yeah, you've got to talk about it. And what about some techniques on Amazon? You know, you've got your $1 24-hour sure. deal to get the bestseller status and all that kind of stuff. What kind of hacks or even yeah. just standard strategies can you recommend? Look, you know, I'm anyone can get a bestseller on Amazon. You know, it's not hard. So I I don't put a lot of cash in people having a number one. I've been a bestseller on Amazon, whatever, <laughs> you know, because it's, it's just depends on the category you're in. And a lot of people just try and find the category with the least number of books. You buy 10 books on the one day and you're a bestseller, you know, I'm a bestseller. So, you know, I don't, I think it's more, what you want is customer testimonial, reader testimonials come in saying, I loved this book. So you can game the system is what I'm saying. You can spend a lot of money on Amazon ads, on BookBub deals, on um, Facebook ads. But in the end, and some people do, people are out there spending, you know, $40,000 on ad campaigns. But the thing is, you need actual word of mouth to take off for your book. Um, And so, yeah, you can game the system, but it's not going to give you that long tail of sales. And, and people are really going, eh, whatever, and they won't want to buy your next book. Um, yeah. That, you've got to give value. Yes. And I think that's another important point that I've learned is you've got about three months from the book launch to get your sales. If you don't have the book selling well in three months, the bookstores will delist you. Yeah. And um, what I, I got really lucky or whatever the word might be, the book went, my first two books went really well. And then it gets in this thing called an automatic reorder whereby yes. Dimex or whoever readings go, you know, we don't need to manually order this. We just keep getting it in. And that's again, gold, because it just means that the sales team at Wiley don't have to do all that legwork. Um, So if you go to. That's a book that's developed a reputation, you know, it's constantly, but that's not true for most books, you know, like that's, that's what we all want. But, you know, there's like 30, like something like 33 books a day being launched in Australia that are just Australian. Wow. Right. So it's about 12 to 14,000 Australian ISBNs a year. So that doesn't include indie books. That doesn't include, um, then that's just paperbacks in store. So, you know, that's a lot of books to try and get visibility. Is that across all like nonfiction and fiction or just nonfiction? Yeah. 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 So look, I guess the point of that is get early go early with your marketing you know use those three yeah. months and don't, don't nice leave things you know yeah. too late yeah yeah and um yeah traditional publishers they, they'll support you for a month or two but then it's still going to be up to you anyway so you do have to get over the marketing fear and someone said to me oh actually it was Sarah again she's like I, I'm just I'm just such a lazy author I just wanted a trad deal you know, because she didn't want to have to do all the stuff, but now she she's finding it just exhilarating and um, all those things. But yeah, but you and this is the thing. You know, we're talking too about AI. You know, using AI to help write books and things. And like, sure, it can take some of a bit of the grunt work, but in the end, you have like, are you going to be able to stand behind a book written mostly by AI? No, you know, you have to bring something really fresh and unique and brilliant to your book because, you, you know, you have to represent that book. And like I said, books have a long tail. So, you know, even if on launch day you don't sell that many books, don't worry. Like 
my um, Small Farm Success Australia book, I didn't actually do any marketing for a couple of years on it, but then it just took off again in the pandemic, you know, because people are moving, people are going, how do I make money off this? Um, you know, what are some ideas? Oh, I'm dreaming of moving to the country. So my memoir took off, you know, so it's just fascinating um, that, you know, the life of a book these days. Absolutely. And I think the uh, the message I'm taking from this, Anna, is, and I'm, I believe it anyway, is that if you've got a, a little instinct or a little whisper in your head yeah. or your gut about a book, now's a great time to do it. And thank you so much for all your wonderful ideas and how to get those ideas out into the marketplace. Thank you, Anna. Such a pleasure. Thank you. A business book is a great way to market your own business and be seen as an authority in your sector. It's also a great way to add a new source of revenue to your copywriting business as well. And let me say, it's just wonderful to have a book in your bookshelf that has your name on it. If writing a book is on your bucket list, now's a great time to get started. Find out how our copywriting courses can help you become a better writer, which will definitely help you become a better book writer. If you'd like to learn more, visit writercenter.com.au forward slash business or copyschool.com. And if you like our podcasts, please leave a review on the podcasts. In closing, I joke because I know you're waiting for it. Book related, of course. What did the librarian say to someone who checked out over 100 books? Don't overdo it. <laughs> so bad. And a quote to finish off with from Saul Bellow, the author. You never have to change anything you got up in the middle of the night to write. Isn't that the truth? Well, that's it from me. All the best and bye-bye. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Copywriter. You'll find the show notes at soyouwanttobeacopywriter.com.au. This podcast was brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre. Do you want to get started as a professional copywriter? Have a look at our course, Copywriting Essentials. Created by Bernadette Schwert, this five-week online course will teach you how to write words that sell and get paid to be creative. Find out more at writercentercomau slash copywriting. And thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Copywriter. You'll find the show notes at soyouwanttobeacopywriter.com.au.